We are back. That's right, Bolton Inn, all thanks to our great sponsors, Palmerbet, of course, and uh, it's not a Bolton Inn show without these two legends. And I'm, I'm not saying that lightly because last time we were on, uh, these two tipped the absolute house down. I'm speaking of Shane Anderson and Adam McGrath. Shane, firstly, I'll start with you, mate. Uh, great to be back and looking forward to a huge spring. Yeah, Matty, really excited by what's in store. Good to be back working with you. Good to be back working with Adam and Hopefully, we can continue on that uh, good form that we had through the autumn uh, winter period or, you know, the, through to the end of the Queensland Carnival because there was so much great racing. But from what we've seen so far in Australia as we build up to some of the big races, uh, the return to spring has been pretty electrifying. We've seen some high-quality horses already step out. The big stables are firing. The big jockeys, well, there's a lot to talk about in that space, which we will shortly. But uh, I'm more excited about this spring than I think I have been for quite some time. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the last couple of weeks, just uh, the build-up's been enormous for mine. And, uh, you know, the good horse has started to return. The crowds are returning to the races too, which is uh, so exciting. Adam McGrath, mate, uh, last time we spoke, you were in LA. Now you've moved from one magnificent part of America to another. You've hit Vegas, big fella. I didn't think Vegas would be big enough for you, bud. Oh, I tell you what, it's an interesting place to live, Matty. Great to be with you and great to be with the King of Queensland as well, uh, Shane. Always good to see you. But uh, no, very excited about the carnival upcoming and a bit like what Shane said, seeing the horses come back. I really feel there's just been a change with the baton and probably really announced with Eduardo and Nature Strip retiring. It's now time for this next uh, wave of runners to come through. We've already seen a few of them. I'm sure we're going to talk about in this preview as well. But I think that's really just added to the uh, the excitement about this year's carnival. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, talking about the uh, the Group 1s and the Carnival, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, of course, that we're going to be really focusing on. So Saturday, the 16th of September, it's the Maccabi Diva Stakes at Flemington. 23rd of September, we've got the Golden Rose at Rose Hill and the Underwood Stakes at Caulfield. Always a cracking day. 30th of September, we've got the Flight Stakes at Ramwick, Epsom Handicap and the Metropolitan, of course. That is a magnificent day of racing. And then we head into October, Turnbull Stakes on the 7th of October at Flemington. And then the 14th, of course, is Caulfield. Guineas Day, uh, Caulfield Stakes, Turak Handicap, uh, and then we go up to Ramwick on the same day, the Everest, King Charles III uh, Stakes as well, which is sensational. In the week after the 21st, it's Caulfield Cup. Then we go to the Manicato Stakes on the Friday night, Cox Plate on the Saturday, Derby Weekend at Flemington, Champions Day. Seriously, boys, uh, I'm getting pretty excited because uh, this time of the year, if you're a horse racing follower, it is the best time of the year, isn't it? Certainly is. I uh, love it. love just hearing all of the, the race names that you've just gone through there because we've got the traditional big races, we've got a great mix of the handicaps, the set weights, for the, particularly for the three-year-olds and the mares, and, of course, the wait-for-age championship races. Uh, you mentioned the King Charles III, new edition. not sure I'm aligned with the name, but uh, as a staunch Republican. <laughs> um, but I will say, great to see uh, you know, the continued evolution of the program, particularly out of Racing New South Wales with what they're doing there. That'll have an impact. But just going through that, Historically, and Adam, love to get your sort of vibe on this. Uh, I've, you know, in all my years following racing, get excited through the early parts of spring, the early stages of September. But by the time you sort of get to that Epsom Handicap weekend, the 30th September, Turnbull weekend, now a week later, they used to run sort of side by side with each other. That's almost like the fork in the road moment where you know whether well, uh, the big the guns big gun. are really on track for, for some of those other feature races still to come. But um, so much to uh, look forward to this spring. 
Yeah, there really is, isn't there? Yeah, and I, I really circled October 14. I mean, the Caulfield Guineas and Stakes, the Tourac, the Everett's and the King Charles, as uh, Shane mentioned there, I think that's just a cracking weekend. And it's probably one that I'm really looking forward to now, as I alluded to in the introduction with the handover of the Everest now with Nature Strip and Eduardo going, like, I cannot wait, and I really do hope we see it. Giga kick, I wish I win. Think about it in secret. I mean, we get those four horses going head-to-head in that race. Every single person in Australia and around the world that loves racing is going to be tuned in for that. I think it's a, such an exciting addition that could potentially happen. Uh, there's even horses like Amelia's Jewel who could end up in there. So for mine, that's almost the, the race of the year now that I'm looking forward to, and that's definitely uh, the standout weekend. Right, so that's the one you'd be going to, Ads. And Shane, I kind of think uh, you're leaning towards that weekend as well. What else stands out, boys? What, what, like, I'm a Derby Day. I'm a traditionalist. I reckon Derby Day at Flemington is as good as it gets. Um, what about you two? Yeah, I love Derby Day. Always have. Um, the challenge this year, I suppose, is that continued reshape of what's happening with the VRC Carnival. You know, once upon a time, the old school days, uh, you know, particularly with the way that I was sort of brought up through racing, you had so many ways that the program would sort of unfold throughout the spring and they were the markers in the road. You know, for example, Bart Cummings would use the McKinnon stakes historically on the Saturday for a horse to run in the Melbourne Cup yeah. just, you know, three, four days later on the Tuesday. That doesn't happen anymore because the McKinnon's now the champions. has been moved to the end of the carnival. We've seen lots of program shifts, but I still think, as you say, uh, Matty, Derby Day, historically, the great day of racing that we have in Australia because of the depth of race all the way through the program. And it has been the, the card that historically all of the big stables have always targeted. So you know that you're going to get big quality fields, uh, good betting opportunities, but all the big guns will be there. With the shifts in the program, it'll be interesting to see if that still plays out that way. Um, hope that it would. But there's so many great racing options. And as uh, Adam sort of touched on, with some of the big guns targeting races now, like the Everest, we think about it, Yoga Kick and I Wish I Win, arguably the three biggest names racing at the moment. That could be the race of the spring. Really looking forward to that. But so many great opportunities ahead. Ads? Yeah, look, if I had to go outside the 14th, I'm probably looking to the 28th, the Manicato, the Spring Champion States, the Cox Plate. Uh, there's nothing more I love than seeing the Valley uh, with everybody in there singing, celebrating. Uh, I think it's one of the the, the great uh, days to attend if you are a racing fan as well. So that's still right up there as well for me when you are looking at the Victorian racing, and I think that'll be a really nice day two weeks after the Everest as well. Righto. Uh, J-Mac, out injured, of course. Uh, big news during the week. Uh, unbelievable news, to be honest. Uh, Jamie Carr returning, of course, from that layoff. Damien Oliver, he's on uh, retirement mode for the next three months, which I think is fantastic. Who is going to be the jockey of the Spring Carnival? I'm going to come back to you first and foremost, Dad. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, it's interesting, Matty. I've sort of got three storylines I'm going with here. I'm sort of only focusing on the jockeys for the spring, and uh, you've mentioned two of them. The first one for mine is Jamie Carr, and I sort of always think when we talk about horse racing, we, we are sometimes, we have to be very careful with the jockeys. We can't offend, and we have to do this and that. If this was a different code, there'd be a lot of pressure on her. She won the, the Victorian uh, Metropolitan Premiership back in 2021. It's been a lot going on since then. There was obviously the Clayton Douglas, Ben Mellon saga. There's the Airbnb saga. There's been the alleged powder thing coming up. I think it's really time for her just to get back and do what she does best. I'm looking forward to a big season. I know Jamie well enough, and I think she'll be ready to come out this season and just remind everyone how good she is and get those kids coming back to the track. I mean, it was three years ago we had young girls lined up on the fence, cheering her, trying to get pictures, trying to get autographs, and I think it's about time we get back to that stage. So I'm looking for a really big season from her to uh, come out and do that. 
Damien Lane's the second jockey that I'm really excited about this season. We've seen him go around the world tour. We've seen him around Japan, the success that he's had. I think he's in for a huge spring. We see Breakup coming, the Japanese star, with the, the connections that he has there. You'd suggest that he'll be offered that ride, and it looks to be a, a serious runner as well. Amelia's Jewel's coming to town. He flew to Perth to trial with it, so he wants to be sticking with it at all times. So I think he can have a big breakout year. And then the Damien Oliver farewell tour, as I said, if we sort of go back to AFL, you think of like a Buddy Franklin or something like that, and we're celebrating him with every game that he goes to. I mean, this is someone that we shouldn't be taking lightly. 51 years of age, over 3,000 wins, 128 group ones, over $250 million in prize money. If you're a racing fan, you need to get out there and see this man before he goes. And I really hope he wins another group one, maybe another two before he goes out. And uh, I'll be following that farewell story very close. So, for mine, uh, the spring, I'm not really looking at any stables or any trainers. I'm really focused on these three jockeys, and I'm hoping they all have uh, massive spring carnivals. And a couple of WA superstars in there for you too, Ads. Uh, you like your uh, your homegrown talent, that is for sure. And, uh, yeah, wonderfully uh, summed up there, to be honest, mate, uh, Frosty, especially Ollie, uh, just being a champion for such a long period of time. And I love the fact, Shane Anderson, that he has got this farewell tour. I love the fact that we got the chance to say goodbye to a, to a bloke like Ollie who's uh, given so much to the sport. Yeah, he's uh, certainly one of the great jockeys in uh, Australia's racing history. And there's a good model that can be replicated, as Adam uh, sort of pointed out. I mean, I'm sitting over here in Europe and the Frankie Dottori Farewell Tour, which has taken place throughout this year, has actually been unbelievable to watch because Frankie's going to every major meeting. I think he, you know, he was uh, riding winners in various parts of Europe, even over the, this past weekend in feature races. So it's not just based in the UK. Um Everyone's flocking to see Frankie. He's been in great form. He's won all, you know, so many big races, big Group One races. He's won the Gold Cup at Royal Ascot, and even just recently, he's winning the Group Ones in uh, in York in the big festival there. So the point I'm getting at: a legend of the sport, similar to Damien Oliver, taking every opportunity to be showcased and given, you know, taken out to to the fans. I'm no doubt racing Victoria uh, and the other bodies, if Damien does travel a little bit over the next few months in his farewell tour, will try and do the same. Great jockey. He's been a legend of the sport. He's had a few uh, issues along the way, um, which we can't forget. But in the saddle, arguably one of the the true greats of the sport. So you've got the Damien Oliver farewell tour. You've got emerging talent coming through. Um, uh-huh. Carleen Heffel's rise to, you know, becoming an outstanding apprentice. We saw Tatum Bull last weekend. If you go back maybe six, 12 months, people would be saying, who's Tatum Bull? Now she's legitimately becoming one of the emerging stars of the sport. Um, uh, so many young young stars of, of the game are coming through. So you've got the, the older established jockeys, Craig Williams, he was riding group ones again last week, plus the emerging talent. We've got the fact that James McDonald, who has been, you know, we've talked about this previous um, editions, you know, the number one seed in the jockey ranks for a while. Um, he's now injured. Uh, it's not going to be a It will stymie his, his opportunities. I think he's on the sideline for pretty much all of September. Will he be able to bounce back straight away? As Adam said, Jamie Carr and the circumstances around her, she's such an extraordinary talent. Damian Lane, um, Blake Shin, who's been one of the great stories over over the period of time. So when you start looking at all of these top-class jockeys, they've even mentioned then the potential wave of some of the big names. Ryan Moore's coming in to, to ride for Chris yeah. Waller in the Golden Rose. He'll probably be back later parts of spring. Frankie Dettori is a chance for his farewell tour to come to Melbourne uh, and potentially even uh, Tom Mark one and Holly Doyle. So 
the jockeys, if positioned and marketed right, can be, as you would hope, um, a great story angle throughout the, the next three months of racing. But I think without a doubt, the big one is the farewell tour for, for Damien Oliver because of his amazing record uh, of race riding and uh, he'll hopefully go out on top. Right. What about trainers, boys? Uh, is it the Kiramar? David used to show Chris Waller, of course. What are the Hayes family, the Hayes brothers? How good are they going? I don't think anyone predicted they were going to have the impact that they have had. They are absolutely flying. I'll come back to you, Ads. Uh, who's the trainers to follow for uh, for the well, 2023 Spring Carnival? Well, Maddie, you need an and in your partnership. That's as simple <laughs> as it is. I was even looking a little bit earlier. The Victoria Metro uh, Premiership at the moment, the top four, all ands. Mara Eustace, the Hayes boys, Price and Kent, Moody and Coleman, they're all there. And then even when you look at New South Wales, Waterhouse and Bot, Mara Eustace, the Hawks team, and between them you've got pretty good individuals in Waller and Cummings. So uh, you definitely want an and in your name, but you just alluded to them. Uh, ben, Will and JD Hayes, they were I, – I didn't expect this. I'm, I'll be frankly honest because – if you're going to say things, you've got to some stand by them. And, um, look, they have surprised me immensely. I love what they're doing. I love the way that they all sort of blend. You've got someone doing the camera, other people doing this and that. They just seem to be a really good organisation. They know their roles. The horses are running for them at the moment. And more to the point, they seem to be having a lot of fun. I mean, you look at the Mr Brightside when he's winning, the owners, the, the antics after. It's all really good fun. It's exciting. And I think they're building a, a really good partnership. So I'm excited to see what they can do this year now because they do have a lot of that cattle uh, now coming to them. There was that period where there was the changeover. I think a few people moved some horses on and gave them some individual trainers just to see what happened and see uh, test out the water but they've seen the proof now and they're starting to get some really good horses back for this spring yeah uh, shano what about your thoughts mate yeah uh what i've loved the most and i was sort of going through um in the last couple of days uh looking at all the all the major stables this to me i think is the first spring carnival where all of the big stables the ones that the general public knows and the ones that most Hunters um, will be able to bet with some confidence around their runners. All of the big gun stables are heading into spring with what seems to be a great arsenal of talent. Yeah, We've seen over the, the last few weeks as the spring sort of starting to unfold, you know, uh, Waller went 1-2 in the Group 1, the Winx Stakes, Fangirl winning. The horse that ran second, Princess Grace, she's come out and run really well in the Group 1. Memsey when beaten by Mr Brightside, who's now become this winning machine for the Hayes boys. I wish our wins were run well. So all the big-name stables are setting their horses and they're all running well. There hasn't been a real major flop. So as we go through, it doesn't matter whether you're thinking Mar and Eustace, Waterhouse and Bot, if you're thinking uh, Sam and Anthony Freeman, if you're thinking the Hayes boys, if you're thinking Godolphin, if you're thinking the list goes on, you know, uh, uh, Moody and Coleman, um, Price and Kent, you can name all the big-name stables. They're all firing. But I think this year, when we look back on the spring once it's run, it might just be Chris Waller who remains top of the tree. Um, I was just sort of going through that, that amazing season he had last year with his two-year-olds. That's giving him probably even greater strength going into the three-year-old season coming up. So I think he's well positioned to either dominate or, or win a fair portion of those big three-year-old group ones. Um, then you go deeper, he's got great talent as always in the, the middle distance, the mile horses, the stayers. Like, I think he just might still be able to remain on top when we look back at spring. But uh, I'm fascinated by it. I'm excited by it. Um, yeah, I really, really think this could be one of the, the great spring carnivals, particularly with all the stables uh, looking to be on song. 
And probably another one we haven't mentioned, Annabelle Neesham. Uh, yeah, such yeah, a nice Annabelle Neesham, exactly. 18 months, you know, he just seems to be getting great horses to a stable. There's a lot of confidence in that stable as well. Hey, we've spoken about the jocks. We've spoken about the trainers. Now we want to talk about the horse flesh and uh, who are the horses to follow in the next couple of months. I'm going to come back to you, Shano, first here, mate. Give us some early thoughts, buddy. Yeah, I'm uh, a couple that, how do I say this the right way? There's a few little head scratches, like, I'm a bit frustrated because there were some horses that I was thinking would be coming from Europe that would be lining up to tackle uh, the, the Caulfield Cup and the Cox Plate. Latest reports suggest only one international runner will be here for the Cox Plate, and that's Romantic Warrior out of Hong Kong, who's uh, you know in the top 10 horses in the world. So he's a legitimate star. It'd be great for him to compete. But, you know, there was a horse running this weekend in Ireland called Al Riffa, who I thought Joseph O'Brien might send down. I thought he would have been a great Cox Plate chance, but not looking the stage. Um, West Wind Blows for the Caulfield Cup. Uh, Simon and Ed Crisford, he's a five-year-old by Australian terms, but still a four-year-old by European. He's got some amazing high-level form, but we just need the weights to come out for that race. The one I think, I'm not going to say the, the nasty word of moral, but uh, I don't think I've seen a horse stand out as a winner of the Melbourne Cup more like Vorban appears to be for Willie Mullins so far out from a race, even when handicap weights haven't been put out yet. But this is a horse who has got so much ability. He won at Royal Ascot by seven lengths. The, you know, the horse he beat on that has just come out and won the Ebor, the biggest handicap race in the UK. He's then come out and won at Wait for Age over 2,400 metres. Willie's not going to run him again before the Melbourne Cup. And he just could be an amazing training performance because he's a top-class hurdler in Europe, um, shades of uh, vintage crop all those years ago. So Vorban's the one looking like he's the logical Melbourne Cup favourite winner to my eye, even though the weights haven't come out. So he excites me the most. But to go back to your other points, I really am excited to see what Militarised can do through the three-year-old races. He's the one I want to be with at this stage for a Caulfield Guineas. And who knows, he might even be able to progress from that into, say, a Cox Plate as a three-year-old runner of the race. But the big ticket item is the sprint division, and I am just can't wait to see this potential clash in uh, uh, the, the Everest. So we've got this weekend Giga Kick set to run at the Valley, so we'll get a good gauge on him. I wish I win return with a slashing third, arguably unlucky in the Memsey. Um, the, the depth of talent in that sprint division is just extraordinary, so... And then we haven't even talked about potentially some of the three-year-olds that could run in that race. So I think it's, it, to me, the Everest is is the race that could be the defining race of, of the spring and arguably the best contest of the spring. Ads? Yeah, look, uh, when we're talking about lead-up, I'm definitely looking at a giga kick. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how it goes uh, when returning this weekend over 1,000 metres. I think it might be a little bit too short for this horse. So when we saw step up to 1,400 metres uh, up there at Randwick, I thought that just really showed probably where this horse is going to get to this preparation. Still no doubt is going to be one of our great sprinters and be winning over 11 and 1,200 metres. But I think they really learned that this four-year-old is going to be able to get out to that 1,400 and maybe even further for the right races as well. So I think they've really just planned and mapped this out really well. I don't think this weekend is going to matter too much if it win, loses or draws over the 1,000 metres. But uh, Giga Kick for mine, I think the platform is set. And I'm really excited to see what it can do this year. Yeah, pretty exciting. We've got uh, Clayton Douglas on the radio Saturday morning too. So looking forward to uh, to Dougie 
Uh, he's a, an up and coming trainer with uh, with a really uh, some exciting horses, young horses coming through that stable as well. Righto, I want to put the asset on you two now. Okay, uh, I want to find out. I want a bold prediction for the spring. Can be absolutely anything, uh, but we're going to kind of revert back to this at points throughout uh, the next kind of. 10 weeks. Um, I'm going to start with you, Shano. Give us a bold prediction. All thanks to Palmerbet. I think Vorban is a good thing going towards the Melbourne Cup. This far uh, out. He is the rating favourite. This far out. I'm not going to say the M word. Uh, <laughs> you did earlier. I, uh, maybe I did. God, if I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I've ruined it for everyone. Willie Mullins will be taking me. Look, on everything I've, I've seen about horse racing, he ticks every box you would be hoping for a horse heading towards that way. Now, on ratings, uh, he's rated officially 114 in Europe, so sometimes they get one or two uh, points higher when they arrive in Australia. So if he comes arriving at, say, 116 on the official ratings, that means, let's say, Gold Trip, the defending title holder, heads towards the Melbourne Cup again, he'll be at the top of the weight. So he's probably going to be falling in around that 55 kilo range, 54 kilo range. That, to me, is the perfect sweet spot. Um, I'm happy to say and stick with him because we won't see him again probably throughout the spring. But unless something extraordinary happens on the track by an emerging talent, I think he will have the wood on every horse that I've seen race so far heading towards the Cup. He's a ruling favourite at the moment. Love I've said it. numerous times on the show, I hate tipping favourites. It goes against my grain. But uh, he could just be a, an absolute... You know, I almost said it again. I think he's, uh, <laughs> he's the one to beat in the Melbourne Cup. Love it, that's mate. My, that's my big prediction, my long-range prediction. Righto, Ads. What's your bold prediction? All thanks to Palmerbet, buddy. Well, Matty, you know I've got to be loyal to the West Aussies and just make sure you East Coast people remember some of these good horses coming off cross. But what we have seen is when WA horses are targeted for the carnival, they normally go really well. We've seen Bob Peters send some Group 1 horses across there. We've seen plenty go really well. And Amelia's Jewel is something special. She's one of the best horses I've seen come out of Perth in a long time. Uh, nine starts, seven wins, two seconds. They still don't know what distance she's good for. They've got her, uh, I think she's in the top five at the moment for the Cox Plate. She's a second favourite for the Golden Eagle. I really hope they go to the Golden Eagle. I think if she goes there, she'll be the horse to beat. Um, she's only got the one group one next to her, but I think they can add to that as well this uh, spring. Damien Lane, I mean, I can't remember the last time Damien Lane left Victoria to fly home to trial the horse. So I yeah, think that just shows how good she is going. The trials are exceptional. And couldn't happen to a better guy, to be honest. And Simon Miller, he's got his group one uh, win. He is a way better trainer than just one group one. He deserves to get a little bit of the limelight on the big stage now, and I think he's going to get it this spring. So watch out, Amelia's Jewel. Wherever she goes, every runner is going to know that she's in the race. Love it. Absolutely love it, boys. Now, listen, before we go, uh, no group ones this weekend, but I want a tip. You've got to give us something for the followers because – you just had such a good kind of winter, autumn, winter carnival, you two. So, uh, Shane, let's go back to you, mate. Give us something over the weekend. Uh, I'm keen on – I know Adam sort of given him a bit of a pot, not a ne big negative, but just sort of said, giga kick, regardless of what happens this weekend. It's only a small field. I love the way he looked uh, when he had a gallop at the Valley on some of the vision I've seen through uh, Racing.com and other media this past week. If we're getting close to even money – I think I'm happy to to have a crack on Giga Kick because I think he's got more than enough ability to put that field away. Small field, drawn six from memory. Craig Williams will be able to put him, you know, just off the pace and make one big sweeping run. So if he's going as well as the vibes are 
telling me and, and what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, uh, I think he'll be able to put that field away and be well and truly on track to the Everest. So I'm happy to be with Giggy Kick this weekend. He's the one I'm most confident about. But I think if you can look particularly at the Valley, there's a few horses like Gold Trip who's set to sh- uh, carry a significant amount of weight in a handicap, but it will give us a good guide on where some of these horses are going. The other one I want to play each way, uh, Maddie, is Deny Knowledge, the mare in uh, the Fian. Uh, loved her win at the Valley a couple of weeks ago on speed. She just kept rolling, kept going. She won well. I think she, if we're getting around that sort of nine, ten, maybe eleven dollar mark each way, I'm happy to be with her. So I'll give you two giga kick in the McEwen and deny knowledge in the fee in each way. Love it, mate. Uh, and currently about a dollar ninety giga kick uh, on the Palmerbet market. So uh, come on, bad. team of Palmerbet, give us even money. Help a yeah, brother out. <laughs> they will, mate. I reckon just for you. Hey, uh, ads. What about you, buddy? Yeah, we'll focus at Belmont, Maddie. Uh, race two, number seven, Ruling Dame. It was nominated to run Wednesday. They scratched for Saturday, just showing the confidence that they thought they could win. It's about $4. I think this horse will just set off the speed and really attack the line strongly. And then uh, when we are looking for the final race across the country, race eight, number 10 at uh, Belmont, Costa Zeta. It's not William Pike in the last, but this horse is two from two. It's about $2.30 at the moment. I think it just shows the opinion that Trevor Andrews has. It goes straight to a 66-plus uh, 1,300 metre there, and as I said, about $2.30. Uh, so race eight, number 10, Costa Zeta in the last, and race two, number seven, Ruling Dame at about $4. Love it. Absolutely love it, boys. For what it's worth, on race six, number 10, prior to Sullivan from the Ben, JD, and Will Hayes camp, they are flying. Only had the two race starts. Really stiff last start at about $5.50 a Palmer bet. Um, so a nice little bit of value. And probably have something on Queen Air. First time I've seen Jamie Carr ride a horse for Lindsay Smith. Um, in the uh, in the yeah. final event, so uh, I reckon it might be a nice little lead there, um, too for Queen Air, and he's uh, one from one at the at the Valley too. I think Queen Air from memory. So uh, mark those two down. Hey, listen, great to be back, you two. It is going to be a huge spring. Looking forward to it. We've got plenty to cover. Um, it's just going to be a weekly show now. Bolton in all thanks to Palmerbet. Download that app, uh, and as we always say, gamble responsibly. And always remember and think about what you're really gambling with. Boys, wonderful to see you too, as always, and we'll talk next week. Thanks, guys. Great to be back with you. Thanks, Manny. Thanks, Shane. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.